1: On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, OU stuff, we react to some of the things we heard from Brent Venables in his press conference this week. Then Bob Stoops joins us to talk some XFL and some OU to the SEC, and we finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right? Our man Michael Hosty will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Monday, February 20th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and there are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino. But it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, wraps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And all you got to do to learn more about their gaming promotions and entertainment options in the month of February is visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino is... Simply the best. Now recording this early ish Sunday afternoon. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Mr. Layman, how are we
2: doing? Good weekend? I'm doing fantastic. It's been a good weekend. It's uh it's been nice. To get some things done around the house, watch some good sports. There's been a lot of good stuff on. We got a lot to talk about.
1: Yeah, I've watched, watched a little bit of everything, right? A little yep. I even I even tuned in to see the old uh, Speedco Loves Truck Series victory there at Daytona. Yep, Plank oh. texted me. He was like, hey, the car has got a good chance of win. Now it was a rain-shortened race, but a W is a W, Ted.
2: That's it. You just got to be ahead whenever the race is over, whenever that might be. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, so we're recording this before the Daytona 500, but hopefully Zane Smith won the Truck Series race, which already happened. Then, Let's hope Michael McDowell does it again, baby. Come on. Why not? Love it. All right. Let's get to the OU stuff. A very, I mean, you talk about a press conference from Brent Venables with a lot of takeaways. Where do you want to start, man? Because there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack with, with everything that BV had to say this week.
2: I think, uh, start by just saying that just like we thought it's it's really cool that they did it um, but just to get everyone kind of caught up to speed and hear some of these guys' stories individually, hear from BV about like kind of what the expectations are for some of these, these young guys, these new guys moving forward. So I thought it was awesome, but yeah, we, we learned quite a bit, man. Uh, we got a lot of roster turnover going on, don't we?
1: Yeah. And him just laying it out there. What was it? fifty 53- three? of the 76 scholarship players they had for that Alamo Bowl, right? You know, that's right after he took the job. 53 of the 76 scholarship guys they had for that game no longer with the program. Right? Whether that's they're in the NFL or they've transferred elsewhere, that is we we talk a lot about hey, getting guys into your program and developing them. Not only physically in the weight room and mentally in the meeting rooms, but just, I mean, getting to know each other and developing that bond. Like there's, there's so much of that, even with all the movement that happens in, in, in college football. Now, when it's laid out to you like that with the numbers, man, that was something where you're like, okay, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of difficult to establish some continuity with that type of turnover. But Oklahoma and Venables would be the first one to tell you Oklahoma is a no excuses program, right? You, you got to win. Cause that's the expectation, but yeah, 53 of those 76, that was something where I was like, damn, I didn't realize it was that much.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And you know, at least we have a, we have a big group of new guys coming in this year, but at least they're coming into a program where, you've got a solid core of guys that like know what's going on right know what the winter's going to be know what the spring's going to be know how you meet and just the i mean the football is one thing you know that's just a piece of the day to day schedule of what goes on and to have a lot more guys that that is you know, just the bulk of your locker room is comfortable with the day to day it brings everyone up to speed much quicker and you know, this time last year, there was a whole lot of stuff going on. I don't know how much like football was going on, right? It was mixed in there, but just getting everyone up to speed, coaches, staff, uh, players, obviously everyone just trying to get on the same page of of, you know, what the expectations are moving forward. Kind of football, you didn't get nearly as much attention as you would like. Not an excuse, just kind of the nature of things. I expect this year to be much, to make much bigger strides throughout this portion of the off season.
1: One thing that I liked, I am, I'm all about making your expectations for certain players, making those expectations public to naturally create some pressure on guys. Like I'm a fan of that. I, I am. That's it's one of the reasons where I think that's one of the reasons I think opening spring practices to fans would be a great idea. So that guys who are in position battles, like feel that pressure of people watching them. I like that Brent Venables essentially came out and said, hey, we're bringing in some transfer guys. And if they don't contribute right away, we're going to see it as basically a failure. I, I, I am a fan of just laying it out there like that, man. It's like, hey. Deson McCullough, if you don't do some stuff this season, like that's going to be a failure Walter Rouse. And I know you're missing spring with the shoulder, but if you don't come in and start at one of the tackle spots, like you, you didn't achieve what you needed to achieve. Like, I, I feel like it, it was definitely directed. It seems like it's always directed at the defensive guys with, with bedables, right? Cause that's how his brain is. But I was a big fan of him straight up saying we're bringing in transfers that need to contribute right away. Like just lay it out there. It lets them know it lets the fan base know, And it kind of creates natural pressure on that, on those guys. And I'm perfectly fine with that because at least they know like it's laid out plain as day. There is uh there's no mind games being played with pinnables and what he expects from, from these older guys that are experienced that are coming in as transfers.
2: Yeah. And, you know, it, it, it doesn't just end there. He also mentioned that, you know, whenever he was talking about the linebackers, you know, they've, they've got some inexperience there still. He says he really likes the group, but you know, as they look at it now, they're, he likes the group but they are like an injury away from being thin or perhaps guys not rounding into a position the way that you might hope and uh, he didn't take it off the table that you know they'll be back in the transfer portal post spring looking for some guys to continue to supplement so it's it's not ever going to be over you know it kind of it kind of reminds you of the NFL right even during the season you know the Whatever, the offensive line or, you know, maybe the secondary didn't have a good game. Well, guess who's in there working out on Monday morning? A big group of free agent corners are out there on the field going through some drills and they're trying to find some more more guys to put on the roster. It's it's kind of the same thing right now. It's through all these different portions of the season and off season, you've got the ability to bring in portal guys that can bolster your roster.
1: Yep. It's it's a new day and age in college football, and I I loved his approach and just how honest he was about that. So there was a lot being made about Venables' comments about the cheetah spot, and boy, do we love talking cheetah. Everyone around here, a lot of cheetah conversation, but brought up four names, right? Justin Harrington, who's a guy that has insane measurables, right? But we, we haven't seen him become the guy that, we are expecting him to be. So he mentioned Harrington, uh, Reggie Pearson, the transfer from Tech, Deson McCullough, the transfer from Indiana, and then Peyton Bowen. So those were the four names you brought up. And the interesting part about it, Ted, is because when you think of a position, right, you think of you—you kind of have a body type in your mind for that position, right? Okay, you're looking for this height, this weight, this kind of skill set. And everyone that's going to be working at that position is going to have a relatively similar physical profile. These guys do not have relatively similar physical profiles. That's, and that's what was so interesting to me. And and I definitely uh, immediately, I was like, I wonder what Ted thinks about that. That's, that's four guys that, you know, pretty different skill sets. Now, maybe Pearson and Bowen, some crossover there and, and like how they're built. But, it's not hey this is what our you know this is the specific requirements we want for this versatile position it it was really interesting to hear him mention those four guys
2: yeah well yeah it it is interesting and like to you got to back things up a little bit here and so the cheetah position what exactly is the cheetah position
0: The cheetah position
2: is the Sam linebacker, right? Sam linebacker is not a very sexy position, right? Cheetah is a way sexier sounding position, right? And it's the Sam, like that spot in a defense is absolutely critical. It's so critical that back in the day, they started pulling the Sam linebacker out and putting an extra defensive back in there as a nickel. It's the same spot. Sam, nickel, cheetah. It's all the same exact spot. Now, whenever you get into some of the three, three, five stuff, some of that changes it up, but you know, ultimately as things change, you would like to be able to keep the same body type in at that position. Well, um, a guy like Deshaun McCullough kind of checks all the boxes, right? He's, he's physical and, can can play a, a backer type position whenever the personnel and formation pulls you into the box. Uh, whenever they spread it out, he's able to to play over the slot receiver and and you know play in zone coverage, perhaps even in some man-to-man situations. But it's still the Sam slash nickel. So it's it's not surprising to see also Justin Harrington, who's a little more of a safety position. You know, whenever you play that spot, because of the way people don't run across formation now defensively, rarely do you see that uh, whenever you're playing zone coverage. So what you get is uh, if you get the Sam who's always aligned to the field and you get trips into the boundary, there's no one there for him to cover. So he turns into a deep safety, right? So at that cheetah spot, you can play safety, you can play backer in the box. You can play uh, bumped out of the box on, on the slot. You can even end up in a lone corner position because of some of the adjustments. So you need guys that are really versatile. But you don't have to stay with that guy at all times because I do think there's a, a chance that Deshaun McColl is a guy that could really rush the passer. And it wouldn't surprise me if you know you have third and long packages where he plays a defensive end where he can rush the passer. And you bring in a a guy like a Reggie Pearson, who's a super experienced defensive back that maybe plays that nickel spot, or a guy like Peyton Bowen, if he can get up to speed, a guy that's got some real athleticism there that can maybe cover a slot guy, and you can still get Deshaun McCullough on the field rushing the passer and use one of his real strengths. So there's a lot of versatility there, not just with one individual player, but you know, if you can have multiple guys and body types and specialties there, it makes your defense better.
1: It's it's just interesting to hear him talk about that position. And one guy, like you look at Reggie Pearson, is 5'11", 200. And yeah. one of the other guys is 6'5", 240. <laughs> it's just like, wait, what? Right. That's right. But it's, it's that's, you know, Benables, he, he wants to, and he talked about this in his press conference, like he wants to cross train guys in the back end of the defense, right? He wants it. He wants everyone to have the overall understanding of all the positions. And and that's, that's what makes playing for him really difficult at times, but,
2: but whenever it works and it clicks and you understand the entire picture, it's a bit, it's an aha moment to where everything just starts to make sense.
1: That, that comment seemed like it came from some experience right there.
2: (laughs) Right. Definitely. Just, and then finally it just comes together, comes together. I'll say this too. Um, I think it is also like the depth, like the depth and kind of different range of, of body types that we have there. I like it. And I think all of those guys have a chance to be really, really good there. I. Inventables hasn't said this. No one has said this to me, but it's something that I've still kind of got, you know, that I'm that I'm thinking about. Stutzman's going to be—I'll pencil him in as a starter. Like I, I don't think that anyone on this team has earned anything just outright, but we expect Stutzman to, to be a starter and a leader on this defense. Now he's at the will, the Mike Backer spot. That's a different story. Okay, you're talking about Kanick, Kobe McKenzie, um, Pachati, your three guys working at Mike. Not None of those guys have played a meaningful snap of football at that position.
1: Well, the good part is that position is not very important to the communication of Brent Venable's defense. <laughs> I
2: right. tried
1: to say it with a straight face.
2: Right. Well, like, so – that I'm still thinking about that, and it wouldn't shock me that if that group doesn't come up to speed really quickly, you may see some Deshaun McCullough playing the Mike backer. I at the end of the day, like if if you're backup cheetah, like I expect Justin Harrington to make a big leap this year with the type of player he is. Like if Justin Harrington's balling at second team cheetah. And your Mike backer position is struggling mightily. I uh, that's I think that's something that you just gotta keep in mind there that you you may get some Deshaun McColl at inside backer too.
1: Yeah. No, it's 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 gonna be interesting to see what that looks like throughout spring practice. It it's also interesting starting spring ball a little later, right? Not starting until March twenty second. I like it. I, I, I think that it,
2: winter workouts in.
1: It's, it, it allows, and clearly the football piece is the most important piece, but this group, like got to be bigger, faster, and stronger than you were last year, man, right? You got to hold up better at the point of attack. And I know there's a lot of new faces, but allowing Jerry Schmidt a full eight week run at it before these guys start playing some actual football in, in spring practice. I, I like that approach. And and I think that – I think you can still get all the mental work in, right? And and players can still do stuff on their own, right? They can get together on their own for player-organized type of stuff. But I I just like the emphasis on getting strong as hell, right? Like, hey, I want you to worry about one thing, getting strong and powerful through winter workouts. I just – I like that as opposed to breaking it up and – sandwiching spring ball in between that i I don't know i just i feel like it's going to be more beneficial
2: totally agree and you know we talked about it the the amount of new guys 53 of the 76 scholarship players from the alamo bowl no longer here there's a bunch of new guys and uh what we have 12 i think transfer portal guys plus the the early arrival guys this gives you essentially what two more weeks of three more weeks perhaps of Even though it's small, just your introductory things that you can do with the coaches, football wise. There's not a whole lot. You can't. I don't think you can have a football out there, something stupid like that. But so dumb (laughs) it is. Uh, It's it's ridiculous. But um, like just whatever more introduction and and slowly bringing those guys on before your live bullets and spring ball. I think that helps. You're going to get your 15 practices in we might as well push it back as far as possible. <laughs> like what else we got going on and then try and get up to speed, bigger, faster, stronger, as much as we can, before we break into that. I like it.
1: Yeah. So a little different, but uh, I think it's a, it's a smart change. Now, the other thing we got to talk about, you know, from the newcomers talking along with BV's presser, a lot of Peyton Bowen content, a lot, a lot of Peyton Bowen. Let's, Let's start with this. You you mentioned, hey, will he be able to get up to speed, right, at that cheetah spot? Or, I mean, is he going to fit in one of those safety spots? We'll ultimately end up seeing when the season rolls around. But when Brent Venables says publicly that football is easy for you, listen, he's a five-star safety, so he's clearly physically gifted, right? The five-star guys are physically gifted. But you never really know where a where a guy's football IQ is at coming out of high school, right? There's just su- such a different variation, what program you're coming from, what level you played at, like were you taught the game the right way? Like do you have a big understanding? Is it just position focused? Like you, you don't know until you get these guys on campus and start talking ball with them. But Venable's – Saying that, that like schemes are easy for him, that's pretty damn significant for me. Like that, I I expected Peyton Bowen to be a factor for them this season, but hearing Venable say that, that was one where I was like, all right, I'm going to file that away because he doesn't throw stuff out there like that very often. Like, hey, football, like this guy just gets football. He understands it, it's easy for him. That carries a lot of weight with me, Ted.
2: Yeah, it does. Um, I'm, I still, I, I, he's a five-star kid and I I do think that he will factor in, in some form or fashion, but the positions that he's playing are not typically played by freshmen, especially whenever you've got, like, this is really the first time that we've got some legitimate experience at at some of those spots where he's going to be playing like Billy Bowman got thrown to the wolves. Cause we just didn't have anyone. Right. And that's really not going to be the, the, the case with Bowen, at least I hope. Um I, it's just so much. It's so hard to play the, like the cheetah position or the safety position I hope he factors in, like, if, if he's out there playing, that means that he's really above and beyond, which I hope. But I I still, I expect just some little pieces of Peyton Bowen throughout this year. Now, that could always change. Like, if we come out of spring ball and everyone's like, oh, my God, this kid, he gets it. He's already able to, to pick everything up on the fly. He's got it athletically. He's going to factor in right away. Okay, then I'll... Then I'll start to at least crack the door, but it—it's just I just want to temper everyone's expectations. It's not an easy position to play as a young guy, and no. I know as a five-star, everyone's going to want to know why is he not on the field.
1: Yeah, but you also got to remember, there's there are a lot of veteran guys he's going to have to beat out to play. We're talking about playing significant snaps, mm-hmm. right? Billy Bowman may be the most talented dude they've got. I mean, he had some flashes last season where you're just like, okay. Like, he could, be, he could be a real dude at safety. I mean, Key Lawrence is a physically gifted dude. If he can figure it out mentally, tackle a little better in space. Like Robert Spears Jennings is a young guy. You talk about looking the part at safety.
2: I mean, there's... Pearson's coming in. He's a six-year guy, right? Yeah. He's so, like
1: 24 years old. <laughs> yeah. So, I I that meant a lot to me hearing Venables talk about Bowen. It got me really excited for what his career could be at Oklahoma. But it it was also one of those things where I was like, okay. We'll we'll see how significant of a role he has as a true freshman. But hey, the the pressure is what it is on the five star kids, right? That's just it's naturally built in when you've got five stars next to your name, especially. Defensive guy, five-star defensive guy at Oklahoma. We just haven't had many of those, man.
2: Well, here's here's what is actually exciting about it. If Peyton Bowen is not able to get on the field, it means that we've got good depth and experience in front of him, and he's not able to to just show up as a five-star and be handed a starting position that's good on the flip side if he does play you know that he's not just being thrown to the wolves as a five-star kid he's so talented and physically gifted upstairs whenever it comes to the 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 actual football IQ part of it that he was able to beat out some experienced guys to win that role that means that he he absolutely is legit so like either way you feel good about it
1: yeah, it it doesn't feel like one of those situations where you're just going to throw them out there to throw them out there, right? Like, I, because there are there's some veteran guys that let's be real they they should have a huge leg up on Peyton Bowen when it comes to getting on the field and playing a significant role on that defense. But some guys are just built different, man. We'll see if Bowen's one of those guys right away. But yep. I. The last thing that I have from everything we've heard from the newcomers and from Venables, the Peyton Bowen time thing. Have you, have you ever heard of anything like that? So if you missed it, Peyton Bowen was talking about his national letter of intent to Oregon, and he said that he actually sent it in, but he forgot to write a.m. or p.m. on the time and I guess never sent a corrected version. If I'm Oregon, I'm like, it, there doesn't need to be an AM or PM. He signed. He's, he's harsh, like, but
2: I, what a crazy story. It's nuts. I, to think that I, I don't need, I've been trying to figure out like what that actually means. Like, I don't even know. I, you don't have to, it's not something you have to notarize or anything. like I'm shocked that AM or PM was able to like keep that from being official. I don't understand. I didn't understand that part of it, but doesn't matter. Uh, I'm sure Oregon's ha- had a staff meeting. Like, we'll worry about the consequences later. If someone sends something in that doesn't have AM or PM, put it on there.
1: <laughs> Just <laughs> write it on there yourself. Write it on there. Okay. But hey, that's the story he told. And this is what I know. If he reaches his full potential and becomes, you know, one of the best defensive backs to ever play at Oklahoma, that's, that's his potential, right? It's going to be an awesome story that OU fans will love for forever and yeah. Oregon fans will absolutely hate. But and the the part of that story that involved Jackson Arnold calling him and about to like give him like he was building up to the big sales pitch. (laughs) And he was like, Hey dude, I already signed, which is awesome. (laughs) But that, uh, that entire story, I mean, it's going to follow Peyton Bowen for his, for his college career, for sure. So hopefully it's something that, you know, four years from now, we can all look back on and go, Oh, thank God. He forgot to write
2: a.m. or p.m. No doubt. Yeah. That's awesome. It was was funny that, what do you say whenever Jackson Arnold call I'm booming. I'm booming, something I'm like booming that. with you, bro. I'm booming. Yeah, that's awesome. Good stuff. That was, you know, and that's, I think that's exactly what, you know, Coach Venables was talking about. Let some of these guys tell their stories a little bit here while we've got some downtime and introduce the fan base to these guys on a more personal level. And I think that's exactly what you got out of that story.
1: I imagine the Oregon message boards had had an interesting time with the details of that story. Got a feeling that didn't go over well in Eugene and among that fan base.
2: It's like, are, we're going to pay guys millions of dollars in NIL, which, you know, is really... By letter... I don't know. It's cheating, right? These aren't organic nil deals we're coming up with a bunch of money to pay kids to come here That's that's what it is we're gonna do that but we're not gonna write am you know on that, the that's where we draw the line that's where we draw the line <laughs> <laughs> uh i can't
1: i can't imagine that story went over well with organ fans but yeah but it was it was cool that that venables did that I was I was a big fan of it. And let's get to call your shot because we asked you guys what was the most important thing that happened for OU football this week. And this first one comes from Corey White, who says Coach Venable's making available to the media the transfers and early enrollees. As the college football climate continues to change, why restrict access? And there wasn't any foolish statements. Good move. I I completely agree. Right, You and I, uh, on our last episode, we said, listen, these guys aren't idiots. They're not going to say anything ridiculous. Nothing bad is going to happen. It's going to be fine. Just It's smart to let them talk to the media. Let let the people that cover the team start to get to know these kids. And how about it, Ted? No one died. There's no bulletin board material, unless you're an Oregon message board person, <laughs> probably. But... Other, other than that I mean it was great and it seems like the media members loved it and the players loved it and I, I think content. overall it was
2: overwhelmingly positively received and it's you know it's the middle of February and you get to create a ton of buzz around your program right everyone's needing content right now and you know, just salivating at a chance to get up there and talk to some of these guys and, you know, put it on TV and write stories and, and all of that stuff. It's free advertising for the football program. It's a no-brainer. I'm, I'm thrilled that he did it. I imagine this is going to be something that we see for the foreseeable future. It's a little bit different than, you know, opening up all of the freshmen to – you know, to talk to the media maybe the week before OU Texas about what you think of the upcoming game. I mean, that's a little bit different than talking in the middle of February in the middle of winter workouts. So I I think it's great.
1: I'm with you. And I I will be stunned if it is not duplicated across the country. Yeah. I think with with how positively you know, with how well this went for Oklahoma, I think I'm not, I don't think it pressures other programs to do it, but you got to believe that other programs around the country are looking at this going, huh? Seems like OU is getting an awful lot of positive press from doing that. I, I'll be surprised if a lot of programs don't start doing it.
2: Yeah. And then I, I agree. And then we can say that they copied us copycat league is what it is. No, I I agree. And like I said, it's, it's the, it's the free advertisement portion of it, right? You know, I, it just, it makes the most sense to get as much content as you can out there. You know, I don't know how much high school recruits kind of follow the recruiting classes ahead of them, but You know, if you do, and you're seeing a bunch of guys that you know are early arrivals at OU that are already out there, they're doing that. There's national stories being written and doing a a bunch of interviews and stuff. I mean, it's, I mean, it's not going to. The fact that you get to talk to the media whenever you first get there isn't going to be the reason why anyone comes to Oklahoma, right? It's, it's not. But it's still, it's just, it's part of the entire experience, and it's just another, another little factor in there.
1: it allows it doesn't allow anyone else to say hey they don't let you talk to the media if you go to OU yep which get
2: that out of the out of the way right now
1: exactly let's just get it out of the way not true no not not only do they not not let you talk you talk right when you get there so that's uh you we always have to think of things through the recruiting lens Ted even though we're not huge recruiting guys, like you always have to have recruiting on your mind and what other schools can use against you in the recruiting process.
2: Yeah. Hey, here's the last thing I got to say about it. This is the fun time, right? You haven't lost a game yet. Everything is perfect. Haven't even started spring ball, right? Everyone is happy and thrilled that you are here. Let's get all the good puff pieces out there that we can because come fall, The questions could turn differently depending on what the season's looking like. Hey, why aren't you playing?
1: (laughs) How do you feel about that? Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm with you. All right. Birthday shout outs time. Happy seventh birthday to Calvin Edison
2: day. Happy eighth birthday to Kai Turley. Happy eighth birthday to Henry Hatton. Happy 28th birthday to Hunter Smoot. Happy 44th birthday. To Danny Smith. Happy 50th birthday to Sarah Housley's husband.
1: little explanation on that one. She just sent in like, hey, can you wish my husband a happy happy 50th birthday? There's no name. So it, you and I, we're known as our wives' husbands anyways. So th- right. Sarah Housley's husband, he he gets it. Come on.
2: That's, that's how he's known. He's used to answering to that. So happy birthday. Happy 50th.
1: And happy 56th birthday to Brian Mallow. All right, let's talk to Bob Stoops. Little Stoops action. Love it. But first, Love's Travel Stops is now offering a nationwide 10 cent per gallon discount on gas and auto diesel. You heard that right, people. Just download the Love's Connect app and scan your barcode at the prompt on screen and watch that price drop 10 cents per gallon across the country. The loves connect app unlocks exclusive deals and can help any traveler print their route or meal on the highway. So before you hit the road, be sure to download the loves connect app to save 10 cents per gallon and experience the country's best highway hospitality at loves travel stops. Loves also has you covered. If you get your phone charger or headphones with their expensive. Banded mobile to go zone. And of course, don't forget to grab yourself some of that delicious Java. Humori.
2: Opolis clothing is the exclusive home for all of our Oklahoma breakdown. Merchandise got the new hoodie Oh, show on. it off. Let's see it. Yeah, what are we doing? Beautiful. Yeah. Check this thing out. Look at Very that. Cool. Oklahoma breakdown. Tons of compliments. They're already floating around out there in the wild. And of course it's buttery soft. Go to opolisclothing.com, O P O L I S clothing.com. Use promo code TED, T E D for 10% off your entire order. Still get a discount on all the O U and OKC Thunder gear as well. That's opolisclothing.com. Use promo code TED for 10% off, buttery soft and 10% off.
1: All right. Here is the head coach of the Arlington Renegades, Bob Stoops. It is our pleasure to be joined by the OU College Football Hall of Fame coach. He was our coach. He's the man. He's also the head coach of the Arlington Renegades in the XFL. About to get the season started. Bob Stoops is in the house. Coach, how are we doing, man? I'm doing great, Gabe.
3: Good to be on always with you and Teddy. And back on the sidelines. I can't wait for Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, so
1: we're we're recording this before you guys have your first game of the season, and let's just start here, Coach. What what made you want to do this again?
3: Well, it's just football. It's uh, you know, my job before through college was you know all those years. Eighty uh, percent of my job is managing everything other than football, academic situations, academic meetings. Compliance meetings, recruiting meetings, on and on, or Johnny's homesick, you got to get on the phone with parents. And this is just 10 straight weeks of football. Um, and, you know, working with a bunch of guys that are just on the outskirts of the NFL, a bunch of them, most of them have been in NFL camps recently or, or a year ago. And uh, they love football, they pick the game up quickly. And a bunch of really good football players, so really easy to coach these guys. And uh, again, it's it's exciting, fun football. And uh, Arlington works with my home in Norman and my family for them to come down back and forth. Of course, I'm down here for a few months uh, running while I'm coaching the, the Arlington Renegades. So it just fits me, you know, for this point and what, I'm, what I want to do with my life.
2: Uh, I think people forget the logistics in running a football team from equipment to players and housing and getting people paid. It's just, I mean, it's a huge undertaking. So what, what's what been uh, different, maybe better or, you know, second time around, you know, getting this thing kind of going off the ground is it's not easy. And you're getting a bunch of people into a new area. What did you learn from yeah. the first and and maybe implemented the second time around? Well, a lot of it's very similar
3: to what we did the first time around. So it makes it a little bit easier, but you got to have the right guys. You know, I've got, uh, you know, Matt McMillan, our operations guy for all my 18 years there was with us for 19 years at OU and we work great together. So he, he, he has a lot of the logistics and our player personnel director, uh, Rick Mueller also does an incredible job with our, with our players and, in and out and, and updating our roster constantly. So um, it is a little smaller roster as you you and you guys would know. It's a 50 man, 51 man squad that we're working with with 45 active on game day. So there isn't 120 players like we were used to managing. So that part of it makes it a little simpler. But and again you're dealing with older mature guys that know how to handle yourself.
1: So what what has What's the process been like regarding the buildup to the season, right? Every team, from what I understand, every team is practicing there in the Arlington area, and then you guys are flying out. Now you don't have to go anywhere, which is awfully convenient for you because, I mean, everyone's there, and then you get to stay there and play your home games at the old Rangers Stadium. But uh, how do you feel about the way that that is functioning this year? you a fan of it?
3: Well, everybody here has been working together in a really good way. So yeah, for practices, we're all here in Arlington. We share our stadium with, with, uh, for practice with Houston, uh, the Houston team. And then, and then, um, we've got three other locations. So, you know, we got four locations, eight teams, you know, two teams at each. And, uh, even at the hotel where we share our hotel with Houston and it's been great. Uh, Wade Phillips is their head coach. so. Everybody is coordinated well. We practice in the morning, they practice in the afternoon. Then you just flip your meetings, uh, you know, opposite that. So it's really worked well, I think, for our leadership and all our top, uh, you know, our ownership, leadership, you know, everybody, for them to be able to travel around and see everybody without hopping on an airplane and and communicate with everybody. Sorry, But, but then the good part is, as you said, these teams are going to go to their home cities for, for games. And that'll be exciting for their communities, their, their home bases. And I believe that's a plus. So basically everyone other than us will be traveling every week. Uh, we get five games in our stadium and I guess if they're playing us and at home here, then they, they don't have to travel that week, but everyone else though, through the week, that'll, that'll be different, but, uh, But again, it's smart, I think, to get back to the communities, get some excitement in those fan bases. We're all trying to get out uh, in the afternoons, the day before games, to do some charitable work in their communities. So all of that's been, you know, has been received well by the players and coaches.
2: How about, uh, you know, on the field stuff, X's and O's just kind of stylistically – resemble more of of kind of what you see on sundays in the nfl kind of given the layout of the field or is is there quite a bit of carryover from from some college offenses and defenses well i
3: like listen there's a lot of carryover in today's world from college to the nfl in all for the last five six seven years um they copied rpos screens all of that stuff so uh so, yes, uh, it's it's very much like watching a pro offense or a, a good college offense. It's the same same kind of thing in, in a, a defense that's fairly complex but um, easy to learn.
1: Looking at the process of assembling your staff, right, clearly <laughs> I saw Chuck Long and Jonathan Hayes, two guys you've known for a very, very long time are going to be your co-OCs. You got Jay Hayes running your defense. uh, uh, Did you just call him and say, hey, guys, you want in? Like, what was that process like assembling your coaching staff for the Renegades?
3: Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. I was talking to Jonathan and Chuck first. Of course, they were with me uh, for five, six. Maybe Chuck was with me six or seven years. Jonathan, four or five. We were all on the national championship staff together. Everyone knows we all played ball together at Iowa and uh, they're, they're very accomplished coaches. Um, so, yeah, I called uh, Jonathan and Chuck and I, uh, you know, Jonathan, I didn't know might get a head coaching job because he had the St. Louis team, you know, the first go around in 2020. So the conversation is if you're not going to be the head coach, do you want to come and you and Chuck run the offense and and Chuck, same thing. If you're not going to go with Jonathan to a team, come with, with us. And uh, they get along, you know, they're, they're best of friends and, and we all are very close friends. So anyway, it works really well. And then Jonathan Jay Hayes, his brother, was his D coordinator the first time around and worked with Tim Lewis, our other co-coordinator. You know, they've all been together through pro ball and the first time around. So it's really worked well that these guys have all worked together and know how to practice, you know, against one another. All of it has really been great.
2: You mentioned that, you know, there's a lot of the personnel, a lot of the players have have been recently in and out of the NFL practice squad guys, or maybe didn't make the cut on the, in the last training camp. There's a lot of good football players out there that don't make it on, on rosters. So just, you know, personnel wise, what are some of the guys maybe uh, to keep an eye out for as they watch you, guys take the field Saturday? Well, I,
3: I, I really like our quarterback, uh, Drew Plitt, uh, Threw for a gazillion yards at Ball State. I believe a four-year starter at Ball State. He's been with a couple of NFL teams, um, and just hadn't quite been able to, you know, to 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 stick with it. You know, uh, got other guys. I mean, uh, Jordan Smallwood, really good. Uh, you know, OU guy at receiver. Um, we've got uh, some strong running backs. We got Keith Ford back at running back. Um, some guys on defense. Um, guys like Will Hill. Uh, safety played on uh, uh, Florida's national championship team when they beat us. Um, Really a good player uh, along with uh, Josh Hawkins at corner. And I really believe overall to our our D line and O line. And and I'll be interested because we haven't seen anybody else, but I really believe they're really strong, both sides of the ball.
1: So you mentioned you've got a, you know, player personnel director and all that. Like how did, How did the roster construction process work for you guys?
3: Yeah, um, uh, Rick, uh, along with constantly through the fall, the defensive staff, primarily coordinators, studying, watching guys that are available, as well as the offensive uh, coordinators and staff, and and in particular, our O-line coach. You trust them, coordinated with the player personnel director, to be evaluating players through the fall players that are just released from NFL teams, or all of a sudden don't want to play in the Canadian ball anymore. Don't want to play in the USFL when they're available. Now we're getting all the the video we can of them, watching them play evaluating their play, evaluating their size, strength, speed, you know, just seeing if they're a fit and as well as a lot of these coaches know, these know of players from being in these other leagues. So again, really just relying on the assistant coaches and, and Rick to to really know who they want for for their positions.
2: Now I know you guys are all in the same area and uh, you know some, sharing some of the same practice fields and stuff for practice, but I doubt you're exchanging practice tape for scouting the upcoming game. So how does that process been like? You know, trying to to get an idea of what you're going to see on Saturday.
3: Yeah, you, you, you can practice against each other. It didn't work out where we could have uh, for different reasons. Then we had a practice game that we were set to play uh, against Orlando. And then it was when all the three days of ice uh, appeared in, in Dallas uh, area here in Arlington. And I know it didn't quite get that way in Oklahoma, but we had three full days of straight ice. So the games and in, in all were canceled. So we really haven't been able to match up against anybody to really get an idea. But, you know, whoever's coordinating an offense or defense, they have a history. And that history is generally doesn't change a whole lot. So we all these coaches and, you know, we re, we know the background of what they're where where it is and where to get film and tape to study what they really like to do.
1: Coach, you, you keep mentioning, like, it seems like you guys are watching a shit ton of tape, man. I mean, like just trying to, with the players and the schemes and everything. And, and I know how seriously you take your preparation, right? I remember how seriously you took it when you were coaching us. How did you, how did you stay sharp in the off season, like into the buildup and this, like what, what was your process when it came to studying and watching and like, you know, stay, staying sharp?
3: First of all, yeah, I don't think you can say shit ton on a podcast, can you?
2: Oh well, it's Come too on, Gabe,
3: you got to watch your your language. There might hey, be I'll a go, person. man;
2: he's a bad <laughs> influence, but I let him go. There may be a young person
3: out there listening, but um, um, you know, I I always, you know, through my time, I I've always studied when I watch games. I'm I'm not just watching the ball run around like most people. I still watch it as a coach, looking at schemes, looking at defenses, or blocking schemes or whatever it may be. and then even uh, at Fox I had to watch a lot of uh, my catapult I was on that catapult every day. you guys know what that is you get any game you want anywhere and constantly watching players and, and schemes and what coordinators are doing and then and then again so uh, that that really wasn't difficult. you don't you don't forget to how to ride a bike you don't forget how to walk you don't forget how to how to watch a game. If you've been coaching a long time.
2: Did you guys install the, the merry-go-round play? The Kansas city chiefs have been running where they all yeah. dance around in a circle.
3: I love it. How about those guys? Boy, we had a bunch of happy Sooners on that team, didn't we? Yeah.
1: As yeah, so I went to the game coach, it was, it was a fun time, man. It was yeah, sat with Creed's parents.
3: Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Hey, what a, what a name he's making for himself. Isn't that awesome? I, he needs to get some kind of beer commercial. Is all I know.
1: <laughs> he, he's got he's got a partnership with Boulevard that beer well, company. I, like yeah, well, so he is I'm sure
3: it's going to become popular. <laughs> yeah
1: he he's going to be really rich very soon. Like very very rich. But good. I as far as you know, because we we are recording this before you guys play your first game. How does this roster? compared to the one you had in 2020, right? Cause there's been some changes in the league, the ownership group, like h- how do you think the rosters compare?
3: I I, do, I think overall through the league, we did a better job overall of getting be- a bigger and better pool of players. So I think this year we're going to, you know, it'll be comparable, but I think I I feel like my team is a lot stronger, both sides of the ball than we were in 20. And, and I think across the league, there was a bit, big, bigger and better pool of players to choose from.
2: Yeah, I, I think the I think the coolest thing is the television partners that you guys have. I mean, that's that's always critical, and you guys are going to be Saturday afternoon on ABC. That's that's about right. as big as
3: it gets. Especially, you know, the, the whole world. Surely, a good probably seventy five percent of it is disappointed when football is over. All you know, after the Super Bowl, you've watched it all through. You know, since you know late August, and now here we are. So I think we got a perfect window to jump right in the weekend after the Super Bowl, with you know, with uh, four games, two on Saturday, two on Sunday, and hopefully it'll it'll be great. But we do have great partnership, ABC, ESPN, all the Disney channels, so uh, it won't be hard to find us.
1: Yeah, that's it's gonna be awesome, and I can't wait to watch now. The, the big change between now and the 2020 version of the XSFL is, is the ownership group, right? The Rock is on board. Dude is one of the most famous people on the planet. What What's it been like, especially with his background in football playing at Miami? He, he understands the game. What's it been like working with him and that new ownership group?
3: It's been great. Um, they love football. You're right. Not only Dwayne Johnson, but his ex-wife, Danny Garcia, one of the other primary owners, and uh, Jerry Cardinale, you know, uh, part of the uh, the ownership group as well. They've been great. They're they're really down-to-earth, easy, nice, fun people to be around. Uh, they've been invested. Um, they really have a great vision for, for this league and, uh, you know, are going to do all they can to promote it and push it. And I know they're all going to be at our first game, you know, here in Arlington, here at Choctaw Stadium. Uh, two o'clock on Saturday. And uh, yeah, I know, you know, that the fans will be excited to to, to see them all. You should have
2: drafted him. He, it looks yeah. like he's still play out there on the edge a little oh, bit. Believe me, huge.
3: no doubt. He's huge. He, he's in great shape and he, he works hard at it. He, he flew in here for some meeting we were all having with them and he, they said he was working out in our facility at four in the morning. The the, uh, the night before, you know that that morning. So anyway, he he he's going to get his workout in. Doesn't matter what time of night or, or morning. I
1: I know that you had an incredible time at Oklahoma. Uh, you had an incredible amount of success, right? Coaching, coaching there, but it seems like you're really enjoying this thing because it's just football, and you don't have to deal with any of the other stuff. Do you ever stop and think, like, hey, maybe? maybe the NFL would have been more for me, especially with some of the changes that we were seeing towards the end of your tenure.
3: Well, it it would be now, Um, not you know, back when, you know, there were some serious conversations I had a couple of times with some other, you know, NFL teams say, I felt my yearly schedule, family schedule, the way we worked was better and, and more positive than the NFL schedule would be through the year. Well, that has all changed now, you know, with year year round recruiting, NIL, uh, transfer portals. Uh, they there, you know, it. I the NFL model now is, it to me, is much better um, and more attractive than the, the college model, and and so uh, I would have listened a little harder <laughs> if I was still in it at, at a couple of those opportunities.
2: Yeah. Well, there's a lot going on college footballs yeah. not going to stop changing uh, we've got a 12 team playoff coming and I guess the big news around here is it's you know it's official that Oklahoma is uh, now headed to the the SEC in, in 2024. what'd you think of that news when it came out uh, I, I anticipated it all along
3: I, I think all parties need to get on and move along down the road uh, so I, I thought it would be good for the remaining big 12. I knew it would be good for us. So it's just coming to the right agreement. And I, I believe they did. Um, just think of the fan excitement now for for the Norman, Oklahoma, filling that 85,000-seat stadium and, and all those suites and all you think they're going to have any trouble uh, selling those when Florida's coming and Alabama, LSU, whoever. I mean, on and on. Uh, it, it's going to be exciting. It's different. But I, I think it just financially ensures our future. You know, our entire athletic program for decades to come and uh, all that extra revenue. You got opportunities to help every other sport uh, on campus, men's and women's. And that's a positive. And it's going to make a big difference, uh, I believe, in the long run for us. Sure. Everyone. Oh, it, it, it'll t- games will be tougher. Sure. But we you know, you look at our history through the years. You guys know we we played everybody you know, in non-conference schedules. Um, heck, I want to say one year, I, I forget who, I want to say we had Oregon and Alabama or or something along those lines. So, uh, you know, we've, you know, we understand that. And, but I think overall, it's going to make us stronger and better as a football program. And of course, an athletic program.
1: Some, some people seem to think, OU is going to get to the SEC and just become irrelevant coach right the people the comparison people want to make is nebraska and what's happened to them since they got to the big 10 what what's your reaction to to some of that stuff that people are saying that ou's just kind of going to float off into the abyss
3: i think it's ridiculous um you know if you look at you know you look at our record against sec current sec teams look at our record against them over you know in the last 15 20 years um and that's what we're looking at is the next 10 15 years right so all you got to do is pull it up and our record against them overall is the current SEC teams and you know it's pretty strong and that that includes uh m in Missouri right everyone wants to say well wait that, that's not there let's wait only talk about when they were in the in the big 12. well listen they're still Missouri They're still am they're still whoever. And our record through the years has been pretty positive against everybody. And uh, so anyhow, we're, we're, we're not going away. I think it's going to make us stronger.
2: Man, I, I, I agree. I think it is going to make us stronger. I feel like Oklahoma's always played their best football whenever they're, they're tested the most. And you mentioned like a lot of those big games, whether they're bowl games or non-conference games and big opponents going on the road, seems like we play our best football. And I, I think it helps with that. And also, I, I do think that there's going to be, it seems that, you know, A&M and, you know, the the schools that have joined the SEC got a bit of a recruiting bump. And I don't know, I feel like it's always been used against Big 12 teams by the NFL numbers and stuff coming out of the SEC, but they're not going to be able to use that against you anymore. No, that's
3: exactly right. And uh, I think it's going to make a difference. Look at our recruiting, even this year, you know, after a, after a tough year. And uh, so anyway, and I I go back to, you know, my last couple, two of my last three, we beat Auburn my last game in in the bowl game. We beat Alabama a year or two before that in a bowl game. Lincoln takes Georgia, who's now dominating, but just a few, his first year or second year, first year, I think, they, they go to double overtime in the Rose Bowl, right? So it's not like we went up against Georgia and got, you know, heck, at halftime, we're a couple scores ahead. So, you know, it's not <laughs> – OU isn't going away. And, uh, you know, that's um, – you know, and we're we're a little bit different than Nebraska in, in geography and in everything else that's happened. And, and plus, our last 10, 15 years have, have been a little bit different than theirs.
1: There's no doubt about that. Now, <laughs> six and seven – in year one under brent venables right do you think is it just like he needs a little more time needs to build the roster like how how did you see that first season for coach v i i
3: i think all of that and and I, i i knew it would be tough um with the amount number of players that that left our program for different reasons whether not just transferring but also graduating or moving on to the nfl all right. And then there, you got, you know, you got new coordinators, both sides of the ball. Um, you know, there's some growing pains there. And, uh, um, and I, I, you know, obviously that showed and, and I, I believe Brent, I got total confidence in him, and, you know, it, it's a little bit different when Lincoln came in, I had walked out and the whole system though was there in place, ready to go. Right. And, and that's, there's some differences there. I'm not taking anything away from, at all what what Lincoln did and, but, but, or minimizing Brent's challenges, but he had more challenges and, and, uh, and I believe, you know, I believe in him, I believe in his staff and he just needs, yeah, he needs time. And, and, uh, no, no one wants to hear that, but I, I believe they'll, they'll be much different this coming, this coming year.
2: What were the? if you can remember back, what were the differences for you? And I know record wise, is obviously, uh, uh, massive but whenever you took over at Oklahoma there was a ton of transition like just kind of like what what Venables had uh players coaches everything when when is the point where it starts to come together is it is it 18 months is it you know, what, what's that timing look like yeah well
3: for for us it was that second year obviously we went undefeated and we were seven and five in the, in the first season and and truth be told I I don't really feel brent was very far off when you four of i think our last four losses were by a field goal in the last you know late in the game and so we're we're a couple plays away from you know having a similar first year that we had uh there you know in 99 but i believe this year they'll be much stronger team i i think i really believe that overall they guys are used to their system now and have had have experience in it i i i don't follow all the the recruiting and the portal stuff but it sounds like we're much stronger overall when you look at the roster and and that matters players ultimately win and lose games i you guys have heard me say that a, a million times that ultimately you're going to win and lose not not us as coaches or not me as a head coach you guys make or not the plays on the field and and i believe they'll they'll have a stronger units uh, in every phase coming up this year
1: Another year for Drake Stoops. How about that? Yeah, that's that's exciting. I'm
3: happy for him. It's you know, it's all whatever he's you know, whatever it's his life, whatever he wants and whatever he wants to do. And he was back and forth on on his decision, but ultimately thought this 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 would be positive for him moving forward and and wanted you know wanted it wanted to come back and do it one more time.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm fired up because I think he's. I think he's one of the leaders in that locker room. Coach, just one more thing I want to ask you about and then let you get out of here. How's the tequila business, man? How's rock and roll going? <laughs> Give us all the updates. What, what, what's the, going the, on?
3: The rock and roll tequila is moving strong. We're, we're in, I think, uh, over 40 states right now. And uh, Texas is uh, just uh, opened up in Texas just a couple months ago. So it's moving, it's it's rocking and rolling, as they say. I was thinking I you know,
2: to... maybe you guys should get Creed going, but he may may take you guys right out of business, man. <laughs> you can turn the lights out. Yeah, that's a good point. We may have to talk
3: to Creed about being being one of our spokespersons.
1: That it does. The Rock's got his own tequila. A little tequila competition between you and ownership. I like it.
3: Yeah, that's why I don't think I'll be getting a rock and roll tequila bath if we win a game here this this, this weekend. <laughs> that's I don't what, want to, coach. I'm not getting in his lane. You could you can be sure of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You'll you'll just stick to the football piece of things. Coach, yeah. you're you're the man. It's always fun catching up. Uh best of luck this season. And Ted, we gotta get down to a game, man. We gotta go you watch the renegades. Welcome anytime
3: you want. You know I'll take care of you.
1: All right, that's coach right. You're the man. Thank you. All
3: right, Gabe. All right, Teddy, appreciate you
2: guys.
1: Bob seems so happy doing the XFL stuff. I love it, man.
2: I know. I know. I it's uh it's awesome. And you know, it's funny to hear him say, like, yeah, I may have looked at the NFL a little bit differently now that I'm uh kind of know that it's all just football, right? I'm glad he didn't. <laughs> I
1: I don't think Coach Stoops has any regrets because the man band- I mean, his career at Oklahoma resulted in him having a giant statue out front, which is, (laughs) I mean, the guy's got a statue, so, but there's got to be a part of him that's like, God, I should have coached in the NFL. What was I thinking?
2: I know. Headache. So much different. So much different, but it's cool to hear from him.
1: All right. Let's finish up with our winners and losers of the weekend, but first.
2: Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School represents a tradition of educational excellence in Oklahoma City. Grounded in a faith-based education, students prepare to meet their potential with an individualized academic path that strives for success. Bishop McGinnis offers a college prep curriculum that includes 22 AP courses, participation in OSSAA athletics where they've won over 100 state championships and numerous clubs and organizations, For students to join and grow. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available.
1: And attention, business owners, you need insurica in your life. As always, Ted kicks off. Who do you have as your winner of the weekend?
2: Well, I got to bounce back and go right to the uh, XFL, Arlington Renegades. okay? The, uh, were were the- you all uh, in? Yeah, I watched. Uh, I was back and forth. I watched a, a big portion of it, though.
1: I had, I had Big Twelve basketball main screen, Arlington Renegades on the iPad. Yeah, I- I'll say this, man. I loved the broadcast. That was awesome. I thought they yeah. did a great job.
2: I was going to mention that it it's interesting um you know whenever you can hear the play call going in you can hear the the quarterback in the huddle I like that I think it just op- gives you a little bit of perspective into what's going on um I also don't think that they should just overwhelm us with that just a touch of it here and here and there is cool and maybe even you just kind of limit it until after a successful play and you go back and catch the review or something but it's cool. I think I think it offers a little bit of insight in there and, you know, having the the play by play call, those guys able to kind of explain what's going on. It's pretty cool.
1: I, I liked it. How about our our buddy Cole Kublik, like just getting all the way up in there after scores and stuff? I loved it. He was he was like, I'm he because he can go on the field. And, like, grab those guys. I was like, get in there, Cole. And he was not being shy about it. I loved
2: it. I, I Can you imagine? They should get, like, a, an Olympic sprinter that can, like, chase guys down and have the microphone as they're running downfield. What do you think? How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> it would be great. It's cool, though. I, I thought the coverage was awesome. The fact that it's on ABC. Like, their TV deal, that's the most critical factor. You have to have a good TV deal. And the fact that they locked one in, that's that's really solid. I think it, it's got a chance to help the league. Um, now is it going to flourish? Is it going to make a ton of money? Is it ever going to overtake the NFL? I don't think so. But the first thing you got to have is some type of staying power, right? And they've at least got that to, to maybe keep this thing going long enough to get a little bit of foothold.
1: And I, this is going to sound weird, but... Being able to hear the play calls for me, and that then having McElroy there, you know, because I, I mean the guy played quarterback at a really high level. Now, he, not a Hall of Famer or anything like that, but the dude knows what he's talking about when it comes to playing quarterback. To hear him explaining what the concepts were going to, it it made it feel very professional. Yeah, right. Just hearing like me hearing three hundred jet and being like, oh my god. I haven't heard 300 jet in a long time, like stuff like that. It was, I I don't know. It made it feel, it it didn't make it feel like semi-pro. It felt very professional. The broadcast was really crisp. It was really well done. Like I I thought, you know, the, the Renegades offense needs some work. There's no doubt that defense bailed their ass out in that second half. And they had themselves a half, man. Couple pick sixes.
2: You kidding me? Couple of pick sixes, uh, furious comeback there, yeah. It, and I agree with the broadcast. It, it kind of offsets if you just if you were just to watch the XFL, and you didn't have some of the like the ABC, the the commentary and like being able to explain what's happening. Like you said, makes it feel real professional. Like whenever you see some of the other rule set. It, People may just scoff at it as, ah, this isn't real football, right? Look how they're doing the kickoffs. Look at these, these two point conversions and and fourth and fifteen try. Which all of these things are things that the NFL has tinkered with and actually held votes on whether or not they want to implement. So, but you're right. I, I think there's a there's a risk with some of these drastic differences in rules of people not maybe giving it the credit that it deserves.
1: Yeah, it just I, – I liked it, right? Any time I can get a pick six, thick six, <laughs> sign me up. And it – you know, it was cool to see Jeff Bidette have a big game for the Vipers. It was cool that Jordan Smallwood had that big catch down the sideline for the Renegades. So there, there was some OU flavor in there, and, and that's always fun. But the real question is, Vegas scores the touchdown late. Decides to go for two in the tie. Ted, you got to go for three in the wind there from the 10. Come on, what are they doing? I don't know. I It's almost
2: easier from the 10, isn't it? I, it expands the field a little more. You got, it, it makes a, you defend a little more space. You defend some space, and from that distance, you can actually maybe check it down and have a chance to run for it. Um, yeah, that was interesting, but I, it's also – I don't know. What do you think about this? If they would have gone for the three and gotten the win, how do you think that's viewed? Is it viewed as that's amazing that you could do it or do a lot of people like totally shut that off as being able – you know what I'm saying?
1: I, I think it would have been viewed positively. I think it would have been like, oh, that's kind of cool. You have a chance to go to like get a three-point conversion and win the game. That's one hell of a roll of the dice. I think that would have been them going for two in the tie and not getting it was not a huge talking point, right? right. After the game. If they would have gone for three, converted it, and won the game, a bunch of people would be talking about like, hey, this is kind of this is kind of cool. Look at look at what happened in the XFL. I think it would have been a good thing. Now,
2: they were but talking about happen. the point spread the whole time too, which was yeah. cool. And they had it posted up there on the score ticker.
1: Yeah. The game gambling is a very real part of what they're trying to do from and a broadcast it. perspective.
2: The more people that gamble on it, the more people to watch it. There you go.
1: Yeah. So I would say from everything I could tell overall, like that was the first XFL game of this new version of the league. And I was pretty impressed with how, to, and also the game was quick, man, which yeah. That's it in my book. That's, that's a really good thing. So I, I liked everything about it, you know? Yeah. I want the best players in the world playing football. There's no doubt. Like that's why I watched the NFL, but I, I thought overall pretty impressive first go round for this version of the XFL.
2: Yep. I like it. And I'll say it again. There's a bunch of really good football players out there that are not on rosters, Obviously, there's a difference between the NFL roster and the XFL, right? But uh, these aren't weekend warriors. These are legitimate, you know, top of their field, defense, uh, Division One football players for the most part, and some smaller school guys for sure. But these are guys that have had opportunities in the NFL. Some of them have played for a long time in the NFL. Other guys just can't, can't get over the hump to get on a roster. So they're good football players for sure.
1: Yep. All right, who do you have as your loser
2: of the weekend? Oh, so brutal. Oh, you hoops. My goodness. Is it that? Well, first of all, I wanted to go with this. Uh, I thought about going with this. And I hope you're not one of these people. The group of people that think that that DK Metcalf thing is real.
1: that video that this is the thing about dk metcalf he's such a physical freak that you can believe that it's real almost right but it, it's like the tom brady stuff yes right it, it it seems like he just hired tom brady's production team right but he's such a physical freak that it makes you think it could be real
2: the amount of like of like legitimate like people that think he ha- casually has a 72 inch vertical to one arm a ball like just hanging out on a field is crazy to me
1: whoever right. made the video whoever edited it, it it looks great yes whoever did that fantastic work <laughs>
2: it looks great because it was right. all over Twitter you're right that he I mean if it's anyone else it's a it's a like flat out fake but he's such a freak that there's uh, there's a bunch that still think it's real, but I don't know. I thought that that was uh, thought that was interesting. So back to the the original OU hoops, brutal
1: pain. The the drought to end regulation pain. Now got to the free throw line. Some at the end of regulation, missed some important free throws. But Sherfield's shot to send it to OT was awesome. Like what an individual play! Like the scramble of that entire sequence, like a
2: double clutch three. That was awesome. You
1: blow the layup, somehow Hill comes out with it, gets it out. Sherfield makes something happen, sends it to overtime. But in overtime, just some brutal turnovers, man. It still had a chance at the rim, right there, to send it to double
2: overtime. Poor Sam Godwin. Oh, such a hard game to watch you know that streak there that you talked about at the end of regulation whenever uh who was it that that hit the two threes for texas there that just woke that place up uh probably like three minutes to go or four minutes to go jabari Uh, rice had himself a night man that was that place was uh was was bumping in there but man i hate that like this team is it doesn't like they're not even on the, I they're nowhere to be found on the bracketology right now, which you know record wise you understand, but they're they're not that bad. Oh my gosh, they're so close to being a uh, a a solid tournament team. It's I hate it for those guys, man, to fight that much and against some of the best teams in the country and just come up. Barely short. It's brutal.
1: Yeah, didn't help. I. What's the best way to put it? I strongly disagreed with uh, Tanner Groves' fifth foul. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I thought that was a flop. Well, and yeah, who knows it's... how that the end of that game ends up working out if he's he's available for the Sooners because he was actually doing some good things in that game, but <sighs> they've lost so many close games. <laughs>
2: it's, uh, it's like crazy yeah painful
1: i saw quite a bit of like we went through football season with all the you know the three-point losses and now it's it's like basketball season's the exact same thing it's
2: tough man i hate it for those guys to to fight scrap claw that hard and to just continually come up that short but i don't know to go in to go into their house Number six team in the country, and and take them to the wire like that, force overtime. It' tough to do, but to hang around and fight the way that they did, I, I thought it was impressive.
1: I I agree, but also, like at the end, just at the end of regulation, hit some shots, guys. <laughs> I know it sounds simple, but first of all, get some quality shots, take good shots take care of the basket, value the basketball and don't go eight minutes. What was it? Eight minutes without a field goal.
2: That's become a, that's become a staple in OU games that there's going to be a stretch, a long stretch without a basket.
1: That just shouldn't happen. No, man. All right. Let's finish
2: up with my winner and loser, but first, John Vance Auto Group has been serving Oklahomans for 40 years, family owned and operated, and they got nine full service dealerships in Woodward, Miami and Guthrie. No matter what your vehicle needs are, John Vance Auto Group has you covered. They carry domestic brands, Ford, Lincoln, Chevy, Buick, GMC, Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, Jeep and Wagoneer, John Vance Auto Group's goal is to give unequaled service and to exceed customers' expectations in every way, which is why they have their lifetime loyalty program, and here's how it works. You buy a new or used car from them, all you have to do is get all of the manufactured recommended maintenance done at the Vance dealership, and if something goes wrong with the components of your engine, transmission, drive, axle, or transfer unit, they will cover the repair costs. It's a great deal. You can browse their entire inventory or find the John Vance dealership near you at vanceautogroup.com.
1: And First Fidelity Bank is a full service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress free with FFB. Making multiple deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. People, make your life easier and go bank with First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. All right, for my winner of the weekend, thought about going with Kansas basketball. You talk about a tale of two halves. My goodness. Baylor came out on fire. Cryer, Flagler, George just flamethrowers shooting the basketball, but got to give Kansas some credit, man, weathered the storm. And then absolutely blew Baylor's doors off in the second half there at Allen field house. You can say what you want about the refs in that building. Hey, they ain't making a 55 to 26 difference in that second half. That's what it was. 55, 26 in the second half there between those teams Ted, bill self. They may not be the deepest squad, They may not be as deep as they were a year ago. That's a damn good basketball team, and that was impressive. That second half, I was sitting there going, oh, my God, like they beat the hell out of Baylor in that second half.
2: That's kind of been – that's been fairly common for them this year. Struggle out of the gate a little bit, maybe go down, sometimes even go down big, and then really put it together as the game unfolds there and that's been another thing with Kansas teams recently get better and better as the season rolls on and kind of hit their peak right there towards the end of the regular season. As you start to get into some of the, the conference championship games and then the tournament.
1: Yeah. I just trust them more than any yep. other team in the big 12. Cause Bill self has done it time and time again. So we'll, we'll see, but it should be a fun finish to big 12 basketball. Just wish OU was in the picture, man. No. Just like anywhere, anywhere like relatively close to the picture,
2: dead last, dead last.
1: But my winner of the weekend, Mac McClung. Full disclosure I had zero interest in watching Mac McClung in the dunk contest, and, and I remember his dunks when he was in high school. I, I I mean, I watched, I covered a bunch of those games when he was at Tech, right? Because I got to talk about him on my Big 12 show. Like, I've watched him play a lot. But I, to me, I wanted to see the star players in the NBA participate in the dunk contest. I want to see Zion. I want to see John Morant. Like, those are the guys I want to see. But, Mac McClung changed my mind real quick, Ted. Crazy. Real
2: quick. Yeah. What a damn show that dude put on. How cool was that, man? Super impressive. And what I loved about it, it was just to the point. Here's what I'll, I i do not know. I am a, I'm a slam dunk contest enthusiast. I, I watched them when I was young, me and a friend had basically every slam dunk contest ever like recorded on VHS tapes and knew what happened in all of them. And what all I care about, I don't care about a damn cupcake. I don't care about what you're wearing. I don't care about you driving a car out on the floor. I want to see how high you can jump. That's it. Like, take everything else away, and let's see who's got some real hops. And that's what it was. There was no gimmicks there. It was just straight up getting up off the floor. Now, I will say, something needs to be done about the the old basketball on the back of the shoulders thing. It's cheating. All right, we gotta we gotta change that rule. But right now, other than that, I I guess I don't have much of a problem with it. But he was he was spectacular.
1: Ted Lehman unimpressed with Mac McClung jumping jumping over two human beings. And no, tapping you know it what the they glass. do?
2: They use it is like they push off of the ball to get more air, and then grab it. That's why they're setting it on their shoulders instead of just like holding it in the air like this. Okay, so that's. That's the only reason I say that that's cheating. It's still like, you got to fly to be able to do that. I understand, but they are getting a little extra push. It's like jumping off of like a pommel horse or whatever. Did, did you ever participate in a dunk contest? Not like an official one, just like a like one at Fort Gibson high school.
1: I I could have sworn there was like an urban legend that you want to dunk contest in cowboy boots at some point. I could have swear. I heard that story from someone.
2: No, I dunked a mini ball from the free throw line though. I believe it, dude, dude. people, I'll just tell you right now. And now I was a sophomore when I was, cause I was as tall as I am now, whenever I was sophomore and I was like 205 pounds, I could fly. Like that was, and that's all I cared about was, how good could I dunk? But the more I, the heavier I got, the, the more difficult it became to pull off the same maneuvers.
1: Yeah. No, believe me. Totally. (laughs) No, totally know what you're talking about. there. But I, as far as Mac McClung in the dunk contest, right? That dude put on a damn show. And, I don't really care that he's been a G League guy and he's only on a two way and it like just happened right there at Philly. But I really think it's one of the greatest dunk contest displays we've we've ever seen. And there are a couple of reasons why. He's a small white guy. You just don't expect a small white guy to be able to do that stuff. Like, let's just be real. That's just that's just the truth. So there was a certain wow factor because of that right but the thing that made it for me made it one of the best i've seen did, I, I think he made it every dunk on the first try yeah critical which is like so the wow factor was like oh my god and it was every single time so there was never oh we missed it okay try again, try again. it never happened so it was it was incredible yeah. No, was it Vince Carter? No, but it was. I, I feel like it's as good as we've seen in a while. It's the most like the Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine like back and forth ones oh. were. Those guys yeah. are insane.
2: That's I it does that dunk contest does not get talked about is it, it's like like ten of the greatest dunks of all time in that dunk contest.
1: <laughs> but nuts. but just the way McClung looks and him getting it on the first try, you're just like, this is, this is amazing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, I heard this kid maybe has something. And then it's just like, oh my, yeah. You can never recreate that moment if you don't nail the dunks on the, because no one knows exactly what's coming. Right. And it's just, yeah, it, it was awesome. Really cool. I,
1: it had to be one of the coolest nights of his life. Oh, right, yeah. because all all the best players in the NBA down there on the court, just losing it, watching his dunks like Doctor J handing him the trophy. Like the guy, the guy's played in like two NBA games in his career.
2: It's crazy, so, yeah. and that yeah, it had to he, be the best. It had to be a surreal experience for him. Here's what's crazy, you know he's he's going to be a household name after that, right? That's that's what happens. It won't shock me if he makes a roster. Like, they want people that want to come out and see well-known names. You know what I'm saying? It's like, even, even as weird as that may sound, like something like that may end up getting him a spot on a on a roster quicker, or you know, maybe if he was never going to do it, like that. That's that's something that you got in your back pocket that not a lot of other people do.
1: Dude did a 540.
2: It was pretty sweet, <laughs> and then kept going after he finished the dunk. He it did was, a full another spin before he hit the ground. It was, it was sweet. I, I do
1: wonder, like him doing what he just did, what type of effect that has on big name guys. Like, I, I don't know how many NBA stars want to enter the dunk contest and then lose to Mac McClung. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's something they would have signed up for, but hey, never let, like, that was awesome. I, I, that's the most fun I've had watching a dunk contest in a while. And I basically base it off the players' reactions, and all those dudes were going insane.
2: Yeah, when you, whenever you clear the benches and you get everyone walking around out there on the floor, that's that's whenever you know you've done something. That's yeah. it was awesome. Yeah.
1: Really, all right. For really my loser of the weekend, I, I thought about going with any OKC Thunder haters. A Lot of Thunder content. A Lot of thunder love coming out of All-Star Weekend there in Salt Lake. Ted, we had Giddy and Jalen Williams in the rising stars game. Shea sitting courtside. Now we're recording this before the All-Star game on Sunday night. I'm sure Shay's gonna have a nice performance in that one, but really Giddy's jacket, the coat, the fur coat. And
2: I didn't then, see it.
1: you didn't see it? No. Pull it up on Twitter right now. I need your I need your unfiltered reaction the giddies uh, the kid's his fit walking into the rising stars game was was top notch i believe he called it the boldest thing he's ever wore so that's uh that's probably all you need to know before you see it and then shay was sitting well i think it was for the dunk contest and that stuff do you see that leather oak that oklahoma city thunder leather jacket he had i was so jealous i could never wear it could never pull it off but Everyone's talking about the Thunders fashion choices, Ted. That's exactly where we want him to be.
2: I typed in a Getty fur coat and it didn't show his. It showed all of the memes making fun of it.
1: (laughs) Hey, listen.
2: Bright blue. Is this the one I'm seeing?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: A blue fur. Got to have some confidence to rock that, man. I think for him. It looks great. I would be laughed out of the arena if I wore something like that. There's only that one guy, way to find out. That guy can pull it off. That's pretty cool. <laughs> this the one I'm the video I'm watching has it like in slow motion, you know? It's funny. That's awesome.
1: But yeah, a lot of lot of thunder. A lot of thunder coming out of All Star Weekend, So the haters struggling. But my loser of the weekend, we gotta figure this out, man. The Eric Bienemy situation. What are we missing, right? And and I know, listen, there is a very clear disparity, you know, there is a very clear disparity when it comes to white coaches and black coaches in the NFL, right? That gets talked about a lot. But I I just don't – this makes no sense. This is a guy that is now a two-time Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator who is now leaving – kansas city to take an oc job with the commanders right and it's not like ron rivera has the most like has a ton of job security right now there it's almost like a make or break season for him in 2023 so how is this guy not a head coach and and i know he's getting the assistant head coach title there in washington but this isn't a promotion? Like, I, I just don't understand how Eric B is still an offensive coordinator. Like, I just, w- what am I missing, man?
2: I don't, I have no idea. It makes no sense. Cause I, it, well, it doesn't make sense, but the fact that it doesn't make sense kind of makes it make sense because and I don't know what it is, but there's something there that th- there has to be something there because it's not like it's not like he's getting passed over or, or it's not like ever like there are there are blackhead coaches that are getting jobs out there. and if if we're, if we're saying that he's the most qualified with what he's done with the offense at Kansas City, then it wouldn't make any sense for anyone to get that that spot over him, right? Does that make sense? Like, I just don't – there has to be something there.
1: He has been – and I saw this from Roger Sherman. He has been interviewed 16 times by 15 teams. It, like, I get that it's Andy Reid's offense, right, and he's running the show. I get that. But the enemy is – Way more qualified in my mind and proven compared to some of these coaches that just got jobs and have been getting jobs. I, I, I just don't. I don't understand that. That's there. There has to be something. Has to be something, and I don't know what that
2: something is. It, it has
1: to be more. And I know, like,
2: there's got to be, is it something in his background? Like, I don't understand. I don't know. There's something there. I, that I don't know what it is, but I, there, there, there's something there. There's a reason like either someone, either he's got like a really bad reputation in the, in the industry, or there's, there's like, there's some skeleton in the closet or something there. Like, I don't. Because it doesn't doesn't make any sense. Like this is exactly how the league works. If if there's a team that has a ton of success, like you hire that coordinator. That's how it's done. And that's how we've seen it be done. I mean And
1: and we've seen guys, whether offense coordinator, defense coordinators for Andy Reid get head jobs. Like we saw and Matt Nagy's back there, and I assume he's gonna be the next OC now for the Chiefs. But Matt Nagy got his chance in Chicago. Doug Peterson has gotten multiple chances. He's an Andy Reid guy. I mean, the, the only difference I can think is those guys are white. So yeah, that's I, where I. It. It seems like with what he's accomplished, like his race should be irrelevant, right? And I know that you. Well, yeah. I, I, think, I know we're living I, I in the know. real world here,
2: but it's I'm just like sh- it makes no sense. I would be shocked. In in I I would be shocked if that was the, like what the actual motive is. Like I can't. Whenever he's interviewed at fifteen places, he's interviewed sixteen times. Like well, I, I just like if it was, he interviewed one place or three places, I could buy it, but sixteen times. I, he's interviewed 16 times, but for some reason, like he's, he's the guy that can't get the job because of his, I, I don't, I don't, I can't buy that. I, all I know is he's leaving
1: arguably the most talented quarterback ever in Patrick Mahomes. And he's leaving Andy Reid, one of the brightest offensive minds we've seen in football to go be the offensive coordinator for Ron Rivera, who may lose his job next year. And their plan is to start Sam Howe at quarterback.
2: Why is he I, making that move? I
1: I don't know. That's why everything about this is like makes no sense to me. Especially you look at their offense. They're gonna start Sam Howe. The offensive line is not good. They got to rebuild there. They got some dudes at wide receiver. Scary Terry is a, I mean, that guy's a stud. Dotson's a stud, but I just nothing about this adds up to me. Like, and you can say, "Hey, well, you know, the NFL—they just not a lot of black head coaches get hired." But
2: this is like out of all the black coordinators but they do in get the league. Hired. I mean, this I'm is not, the guy that should be hired. That's what I'm saying. Like D'Amico Ryan's walks in and gets a job like like that in Houston. With a ton of fanfare, like everyone is on board, like, I guess what I'm saying is that I'm not saying that it it happens enough, but it does happen. And if it was going to happen, you think that the guy that has the credential list of Eric Bienemy, like, that's why I'm saying like there has to be something else. Like that's I, I don't know. It's I I think when because you look at talking about this with him for five years now. Yeah. And like, if that's like the open ongoing narrative, like you would think that the, like that it wouldn't continue to happen just to this one guy. And maybe, and I'm not saying it's just to this one guy, but I, I don't know. I, it, it's one of the more
1: confusing things. Like when you think about the coaching carousel in the NFL, like, Urban Meyer got hired in Jacksonville to be a head coach. And meanwhile, Eric Bieniemy is having to leave Kansas City, I guess what, to go prove himself in Washington that he can do it without Mahomes, without Andy Reid? Like, is that, that's, that's got to be his line of thinking here. Is it like, hey, I, I got to get away from Andy Reid because apparently no one thinks I can be a head coach because he's the one that's calling the place. I, it,
2: And Andy Reid is like his biggest like supporter. He gets asked about it all the time, and that's why that's like that's why I'm saying that I feel like there's got to be there's something there because there's there's too many there's too many people in his corner. There's too much conversation about it. He's interviewed too many times. I there's there's got to be something there. I I don't know. Perhaps not. I, I, it's a shock.
1: I've heard him speak publicly. Guy sounds really good. Guy can really talk ball. I don't. I don't know. I've talked to guys that have played for him in Kansas City. They all really like him. Attention to detail. Like I. I don't know, man. It makes, it. It. It's one of the most confusing things, in the last five. Like it may be the most confusing thing when you talk about. The coaching carousel in the NFL the last five years. Well, that Cliff Kingsbury got a head job after failing at Texas Tech. That was something.
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> Vietnamese
1: just I.
2: It it it's truly perplexing. I I don't know. But Kingsbury won six games with Mahomes at Tech. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just I
1: I hope Eric BNB goes to Washington and crushes it and gets a head job so that
2: it may get this, that job. This madness can end.
1: He may get that
2: job, but I don't know. <laughs> is that the one he wants?
1: Yeah. And that's another thing. You're leaving one of the most stable and like well-respected organizations for Washington. Don't forget Dan Snyder. I I know he's taken a step back, right? Is, is it his wife or his daughter? One of them. Is running the team and it's kind of like the face now, but it it, it has been dysfunctional for years. And being me said, "Yeah, I'll take that. That's the one I want. Give me Sam
2: How." <laughs> what? Don't know. I it wish makes I had no a, sense. Wish I had a a any theory. Not a, I was going to say a better theory. I don't have a theory at, at all. I don't I don't make of it. Yeah, I don't know what to make of it.
1: Yeah. On that note, episode 293 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that will drop Wednesday. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 3 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 2 to 5 on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have an awesome week. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.
2: What? Wow.